0: You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for the Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hey everyone, Luke Hector from the Broken Meeple here on another podcast episode just straight after I'd done my last live stream actually. So yeah, I've been doing the live streams now, they're finally on the channel. I've done two so far, one went better than the other, <laughs> put it that way. The first one I did on Sun was it Saturday or Sunday? No, last week. i try to remember actually, it was certainly around at some point, maybe it was it can't have been Saturday and Sunday. Maybe it was on Friday night. Who knows? I can't remember these things. My memory like a sieve. But um, I, yeah, I I did it last week and it was great. The first stream was fantastic. I mean, it, I, took, I was making kittens trying to prepare for it and I was afraid something was going to go wrong, but everything just seemed to go right. The microphone, the tech, the transitions, the template I've made. As you can see, there's a bit more of a, shall we say, shiny looking background in that and a bit more of a... Uh, a bit more of a professional look to my video streaming content. So you can see the icons, how to subscribe, Facebook, Instagram, Patreon notification, the web browser, etc. So thankfully, all that worked. And the first stream was great. Check it out on the channel. It was a good chat Q&A with you know, people that I was in having good friends with and that. So yeah, it was really good. But the second stream, it went okay. People liked it, there weren't that many viewers, I mean let's face it, it was first thing this morning on a Sunday, who's watching me then, but it was also to do the first E-Raptor stream, I'm doing four of them, and there's one for Seven Wonders that is now up, I was a bit disappointed with that insert, I'm afraid E-Raptor, you need to uh, step up your game I think with that, but I've got three more to do, hopefully those inserts will be a lot better, but the Seven Wonders one was a bit misleading, and a bit bit niche in terms of who it was there for so I wasn't a big fan. So much so in fact that I decided after I built it and put it in the box that I just went back to the original insert I had and cannibalized a bit of the Raptor one to use in the spare box. It just Really didn't work for me. But that stream had some technical issues at the start. For about six minutes, this microphone decided not to work. Stupid thing. It's, it's OBS. OBS has this really weird, fickle thing that occasionally, when you disconnect and reconnect a microphone for any reason, it just decides it doesn't want to pick it up ever, even though other programs will. It's It's really strange. But... I managed to kind of get around it for this podcast at least and it just means that I'm going to have to do extensive checks before streaming for a microphone because to be honest I was kind of in a rush and I thought well the microphone I tested the microphone and it worked 10 minutes before I started the stream and then it didn't work when I started the stream so I can only do so much testing but you know I mean these things happen but thankfully the people who were there were kind about it they let me know in the chat what was going on and you know I can't figure out how to trim on video. I don't think you can trim live streams on editor on YouTube. It's really annoying. So all I did was I put timestamps in the video to show that you start the stream from six minutes into the stream and ignore the bit beforehand. So annoying. These things happen. I guess I just got to put up with occasional teething troubles when it comes to dealing with streaming. But It's a learning curve for me, and hopefully it will be the last time I end up with that kind of problem. But three more during the week. Uh, There'll be one tomorrow at, I need to change the time for this. It's currently saying six o'clock, but hopefully by the time you get this podcast, I will have changed it to say seven o'clock British Standard Time because I almost double booked it with a chiropractor's appointment. And it's like, oh, whoops, I kind of need to change that. But the other two are booked in later this week. So uh, I think there's a Thursday one and a Friday one. So they should be better. Hopefully the inserts will be a lot better. I thought I was starting with a simpler one, but apparently not. And yeah, they're good fun. So come along and join me on those streams. And let me know in the comments to this podcast what sort of stuff you would like to see on said streams. So at the moment, the Q&A was fantastic. Definitely doing them. Uh, The inserts, As and when, I've got a couple of folded space ones to do in the future as well. But accessories will just be as and when. But top 10s, would they be good on a streaming list rather than doing the full, like, expensive, not expensive, um, extensive, long-winded editing, you know, versions on video? Even though I'll probably still do some of those because they do pick up the views. But, you know, would you like to see some live stream quick ones? Uh, Would you want to see some reviews on live stream? Do you want to see me playing apps on the computer? with solo streams so um trying to mirror your android phone is kind of weird i find that a bit fiddly but i could load up steam on this laptop i could install steam and i've got various games that i could use on there so maybe you'd like to see that maybe that'd be a good thing for you so let me know in the comments what you would like to see on streaming and i'll see what i can do obviously time and technical ability permitting Boy. I'm afraid there's no tea and coffee this time. It is hot in the UK right now. My voice is kind of going from all the streaming and that. And I need the water, at least before I go to the gym later. Yes, the gyms have opened up and it's about time. I went swimming yesterday. I'm going to go to the gym today. And, oh, so much better to have some sense of normality again. I mean, that was one of my biggest forms of stress relief was exercise exercise. And just going out for a run wasn't enough. I need the gym. I need to go back to my full on, shall we say, uh, full on exercise regime. I need to really start resuming that. And hopefully now I can. So it's good. And I need it because work is very stressful at the moment. I mean, at the moment, work is just trying to kill me with the amount of hours I've got to do and the backlog we've got to deal with. So yeah, trying to fit all this in as well is proving a mission. I mean, I even almost forgot about this podcast. I thought, yes, I've done the stream, chill for a bit. Oh wait, I still got to do the podcast and trying to keep two Sundays. I'm trying to keep it regular for you. So maybe at some point I need a vacation and get over things, but sooner or later I will actually. I've got a family get together up north, uh, 8th of August time. So for a few days, And I might extend the trip to go to the Yorkshire Dales like I was planning to do back in April. So, to go walk up some hills. So, that would mean I'd have the week off. So, perhaps I might take a break from the channel for a week just to, you know, get back to grips with reality. Or maybe I will still plan some videos ahead of time and just schedule them for then. Or maybe if I'm going on holiday and I'm in the Yorkshire Dales, maybe I'll just take this webcam with me, take a microphone with me, and just set up a live stream in my hotel room. I mean, yeah, okay, I should be on holiday, but is it really going to be that problematic for me to just simply go, you know what, I'm here for a chat, you know, it's an hour, I'm in a hotel room, what else am I going to do? <laughs> it might do that, we'll see. But yeah, I'll probably need a vacation at some point. Anyway, what is the point of this episode while I'm rambling on? Well, this is the Dice Tower Awards and the Spiel de Yaris Awards. So at the recent time of this recording, we've already had the Dice Tower Awards released for some time. I was going to do an audio podcast on it, but then I wanted to get the Jeremy Howard one out there. I refreshed the channel, so things got in the way. Then I thought, you know what, maybe people don't really want to care about another awards one because I already did one for the previous uh, awards season, like the, the BGG ones. But apparently... People on the stream, the Q&A stream said, are you planning to do one? And I was like, okay, fair enough. And I thought I'll combine the two. So I'll look at both the Spill Yaris and the Dice Tower Awards. Now, I'm not going to go into stupid amounts of detail because I still want to keep this to around 30 minutes. But I will at least scroll through. You'll be able to see it on the screen. You can already see a couple there. And we'll, I'll just talk about my opinions because the background context for the Dice Tower Awards is that I'm on the community that votes for them. So I vote on the nominations and I vote for the eventual winner, me and several hundred other people. So it's not like my vote is a massive percentage of it. But still, I put in my vote and it'll be interesting to see which ones I voted on that won and which ones didn't and whether I agree or disagree. So let's start off with... So I'm going to have to switch to the web browser here and just hope that everything else works. But okay, here we go. So Best Game of the Year. Let's start off with a big one. The 13th Annual Gaming Awards for the Dice Tower was Wingspan. Wingspan won it, so congrats to Elizabeth. Nominations were Clank Legacy, Detective City of Angels, Imperial Settlers Empires in the North, Horrified, Lord of the Rings Journey in Middle-earth, Maracaibo, Paladins of the West Kingdom, and Tented Grail. Lots of interesting choices there. Oh, and Watergate, sorry, and Watergate. There was a lot of choices there, and to be fair, there's some good ones there. Empires in the North, Ooh, Lord of the Rings, yes. Tainted Grail, not so much, but still, you know, I wouldn't say it was game of the year. But then there were some others here. I mean, I've not played all of these, so I don't know what Horrified's like. I don't know what Kind of Legacy Acquisitions is like. Uh, Detective City of Angels, I was a little bit ho hum on. I played it solo, and I thought it kind of sucked a bit in the solo mode. But apparently, it's better to play as a group. But I just couldn't find the time to get it done. Maracaibo—it's a fine game. I would never put it as game of the year. Same with Paladins—I've already gone bored of it. You know, I would never put it as game of the year. And I don't know about Watergate, but I would have been really—I don't know about Lord of the Rings: Journey to the love I love it, but game of the year—I don't know. But Empires of the North, I think. Ah, that would have had a good stance. But Wingspan—it's got to be Wingspan. Wingspan just took the year by storm. It's accessible to many, looks great, produced well, easy to learn, easy to play, great for families. Not quite a gateway game, but still it's the next step up. And it's just such a nice all-rounder design game, no matter how many haters are on this thing. Yes, it won too many award categories in the BGG awards, but then we all know the BGG award categories are a tad broken, shall we say. Ooh, controversial. But hopefully it hasn't won a million categories here in the wrong places, and it's just winning the awards that it deserves. But yeah, good on you, Wingspan. Next up, artwork. So, Best Artwork was won by Parks, and that went up against some relatively stiff competition of Atlantis Rising 2nd Edition, Predator, Porter, Wingspan, and Unmatched. Unmatched? I mean, okay, I'm not desperate for Unmatched, but uh, I suppose it's not too bad. But I wasn't really going mad for it. I think I voted for... What did I vote for? Was it Wingspan? It might have been Wingspan. I mean, Atlantis Rising is good artwork. Sorry. But it's Vincent Detrait artwork. I need another water. There we go. Yeah, Atlantis Rising 2nd Edition. It's... It's Vincent Dutre artwork. It looks great. It's a different style, though, than what I'm used to. Printer Porter's got pretty good artwork, but then there's only so much of it in there. I probably wouldn't put it as the best of the year. Wingspan, I think I voted for on this one. I think I voted for Wingspan because I thought the artwork was really nice and pleasant in it. But I'm happy for Parks. I don't overly like the game Parks. Parks, to me... It was fine, but I just thought it took way too long when it was played. Anything more than three players was just too long. It's like Takedo level of rules, but it dragged on longer than Takedo would. So I just wasn't as big a fan of it, especially when it is basically just Splendor with a movement mechanic. But, you know, Parks does have very nice looking art. So I think I put it in my runners-up. I think I voted on Wingspan and then put Parks as number two. So I'm glad it won. I'm perfectly fine with that. All right, board game production. CloudSpire won that one. I have no idea what CloudSpire is. I barely looked at the game. I haven't looked at pretty much anything from Chip Fury because I never played too many bones. And that went up against Batman the Board Game. Hmm. Funkiverse. Again, hmm. Nemesis and Tapestry. Wasn't a big fan of this. I thought I thought there were some better production games out there. I swear there must have been some, but then maybe I'm thinking too much of artwork. But some of these are good. I mean, Nemesis has got a pretty good production, so I think I might have voted for that one. Cloudspire looks cool. You know, it works nice and it's got a bunch of chips, but until I get up close with it, I couldn't really say. Uh, tapestry, no, I didn't want to vote for that one because, yeah, the buildings are great in Tapestry, but not anything else. It's like, well, I mean, the rest of it looks a bit generic. So I was more up for Nemesis, but Cloudspire from Chip Theory. I'm I'm fine with it. I mean, it looks cool. Looks cool from the pictures, but I just know very little about this game. Really very little about this game. Sorry, I'm having to take the water quite often, so I'll try to talk a little bit quieter. Right. And hopefully, hopefully the sound of a grass trimmer outside is not causing any issues. Shouldn't do though. All right. Best cooperative game was Horrified, which makes sense. It's getting all the r- r- rage at the moment, but I know very well. I know what the game's about, but I've never played it. Up against Letter Jam, Lord of the Rings Journeys in Middle Earth, Marvel Champions, and Quirky Circuits. Now, I'm expecting a copy of Quirky Circuits to review at some stage, but it's taken a long time to arrive from the US, so eventually I'll get round to doing that game, but it's on the lineup. Letter Jam, it's fine. I wasn't blown away by it, but I'm not going to call that best co op. Horrified, I think, probably deserved it. It's an entry-level co-op. It looks like it does a pretty good job. I would like to play it. But, of course, I would sooner play The Lord of the Rings, Journeys of Middle-Earth, and Marvel Champions, the card game. So, yeah, those are the two I'd rather do. But I could I say they're the best of the year? If Horrified is that good and that accessible, I'd probably go with Horrified. I can't remember what I voted on. I've got a feeling I voted for... Probably Marvel Champions and then Lord of the Rings. Can't quite recall. I mean, if either of those two won, I'd have been perfectly happy. But I think Horrified is perfectly fine as well. Best expansion. Right, I'm trying not to scroll down and spoil the rest at this rate. Best expansion was the Quacks of Quedlinburg Herb Witches. Is it really that good? I mean, the game itself is fine. But did the Herb Witches really change it up that much? But then it was up against... Fairly basic stuff. I mean, it had Seven Wonders Armada. It's a fine expansion. It's not essential. Uh, it was up against uh, the emergence of Shy Pluto, which I don't know what that adds. Is it any good? No idea. New discoveries by Underwater Cities. It's a cool expansion, but mainly you're getting it because you want the recessed boards. So that's not enough to give it the vote of the year. And Terraforming Mars Turmoil. So, you want to make your game of Terraforming Mars more complicated than 30 minutes longer? How about no? a stupid expansion that is nowhere near worthy of list. but i didn't really know what to vote on with this one i think i voted for armada because i think i like that one the most out of that and underwater cities but i've not played the herb witches so i don't know whether it's any good but i don't hear much about it either so i'm surprised it actually won but Apparently, for those who are Quacks of Quedlenburg fans, The Herb Witches is worth picking up. And uh, I will trust the decision of the committee on this one. So if that is a game you love, you might want to check it out and see what it's like. Uh, what do they call it? The The Krauterhexen. Hex- the Krauterhexen is the German name for it, apparently. But uh, okay, fair enough. Moving on to Family Game. Family Game, what have we got here? We have got the best Family Game was Point Salad. And I'm perfectly happy with that because you know what? Point Salad is down there on my shelf. I've played it with my parents. My dad likes it. And it was very simple to teach them, not difficult at all. And it's just a fun game, providing you don't go above four players and ideally keep it to three. But four is fine. Five and six is too chaotic. It's not worth it. But what was that up against? That was up against Horrified, Parks, and Tiny Towns, and Wingspan. Now, I must admit, I'm quite surprised Point Salad won. I voted for I think I voted for Wingspan over Point Salad. But Point Salad was on my runners up. I I honestly don't like tiny towns. I don't think it's that great a game. I mean it looks weird having these tiny pieces put on these massive squares. It's luck of the draw unless you're playing the advanced rule set and it just it didn't really wow me that much tiny towns. Everyone goes mad for it, but I was just like meh. Horrified I thought would win actually. Not Parks and Wingspan I voted for it personally, but I can understand why some people might not necessarily get it. But I thought Horrified would win it. I'm quite surprised Point Salad did. Maybe they, when they said Best Family, maybe a lot of people voted for the simplest game there. And Point Salad is disturbingly simple. I mean, kids could play it easily. And fine. It's on my shelf. I like it. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I think it's a really cool game. But I'm surprised it beat out that competition. Horrified and Wingspan. And yeah, Wingspan's been voted for a lot of categories, but let's face it, Best Family, Best Artwork, and, you know, Best... Did it get Best Production? I can't remember. Did it have Best Production? Nope. So yeah, I mean, it's at least it's appearing in categories that make sense this time. But yeah, cool things. Point Salad, this cool game where you're trying to put out veg... In a display, and the cards have got vegetables on one side and the point scoring system on the other side, and you collect the cards and mix and match how you score for your veg, and it's just really interesting. I mean, it literally is a point salad game. It takes its name in pun, but also makes it the game. So, yeah, I'm cool with that. The best game from a new designer, Wingspan. Did you really see it being anything else? Elizabeth Hargrave has not done anything yet, although there's more works on the way, and Wingspan just took the place by storm. Do you honestly think it was going to be anything other than Wingspan? But on top of that, it went up against Cartographers, uh, Parks, Point Salad, and Tiny Towns. Don't like Tiny Towns. Wasn't as blown away by Parks. Cartographers is okay, but it's just another roll and write game at the end of the day. I think I was pretty much sold on Wingspan for this one and sort of Point Salad for the next one. But uh, I could have seen Parks maybe taking it away. It's very popular with a lot of people, but... I think with that competition, nah, Wingspan was going to take it. I mean, you just, even if you hate the game, you can't deny it's made a splash. You can't deny that it's perfectly situated for a lot of people, for a lot of families, and a lot of new gamers. You you just can't, even if you don't like it, you can't say it's an objectively bad game. I don't feel. Moving on to best game from a small publisher, nah. I, I, I'm, I don't actually know what the winners are for a lot of these. I'm looking at this for the first time. So I, I haven't actually researched every single one yet. But Reza one won Small Pumbasher. Uh, I suppose, but no, nah, I don't know. I'm not as big a fan of that one. And that went up against Cartographers, Colomer, QE, Parks, and that's it. The other one was Reza Khana. Yeah, I guess there wasn't a lot of competition here, really. I mean, Colomer's good. It's fine. I wasn't blown away by it, but I thought it was decent enough. Cartographers is fine. It's another role player. It's another role and right parks. You already know QE. I don't like QE. It's okay, but what is it? Okay, it's average. It's just weird. QE being this weird auction game where you can bid any amount. It's it starts off like s- with one person usually getting all the bids, and they tend to end up winning because by the time anybody bids for anything in the late game, they're bidding so much money that they just price themselves out. But it's just an odd game. It shouldn't even work as a system. I'm not even 100% convinced it does, but people seem to like it. But it's a dry auction game. It's kind of forgettable for me. But yeah, I guess there wasn't much competition. I mean, I think I voted for Coloma and then Cartographers. but Reza Khan is okay, but it's a dry point engine builder. That's all it is. There's no... I mean, it looks nice on the cover and the artwork's nice, but there's no theme. You're only looking at about eight cards, so you're not really seeing a great deal in the game. You know, you've got variety from game to game, but you're just looking at eight cards throughout the whole game. And it's just put X resource into Y card to get Z points. There's just nothing particularly interesting about it. So, yeah, I'm not as big a fan of Reza I mean, it won. Fair play. Well done, Thomas Lehman, but and who actually published it actually i'm not entirely sure who did wonder if it will take me straight to the board game geek page so i can have a look or the dicetower.com list come on let's have a look come on internet work with me all right maybe it'll be quicker if i just go on here and look it up assuming minutes. published by Sand Castle games okay so fair enough And small seal of excellence, yeah, the Dice Tower, I love it as well, but yeah, I was never a a massive fan of it, really. Okay, moving on to the best party game, which went to Wavelength. I'm cool with that, although, did Just One come out this year? That is odd. When did Just One come out, then? Was Just One not a 2019 game? Because that's the only thing I can think of. Because Just One should have won it, surely. But I can't recall if Just One was a 2018 game that we just got really late. Huh? Yeah. Apparently it was a 2018 game. Okay. Fair enough. Go figure. But all right. So without that, yeah, Wavelength. I mean, now I look at the competitors. Yes, I definitely voted for Wavelength and then probably Letter Jam. It went up against Letter Jam, Medium, Slide Quest. I have never heard of that game. And Team Free Green. I have even less idea what that is. doesn't even look particularly nice from the cover. Slide Quest looks interesting though, looks pretty uh, colourful. Medium, I saw somebody playing that at Aircon and it looked quite fun. I would like to try Medium out. Letter Jam is okay. I like it fine. I'm not going to go mad for it. uh cool, That grass trimmer is putting me off outside there. But Wavelength, yeah, Wavelength's a really solid game. I enjoy it. It's simple to do. It probably is a bit overproduced for what it is, but. It does the job. I take it along to a fair few game nights where you're sort of having to guess, best way to describe it really, you have to guess where on a dial from, from like not so much to a lot, a particular category is. So for example, let's say amount of bold people in America or something and it may and you may be thinking, right, okay, how many would that, do you think that's a lot? Do you think that's very little? You you get you spin the dial around in secret, you get the... So you spin it around in secret and then when you look at where the dial is, you have to come up with a clue that suits that dial. So you might... It might... I mean, Bold People was a bad example. It could be a... a like villainous or something like that so the dial is really high on that dial so you're thinking right i need to think of the most villainous character ever or something and you can have like the wicked witch of the west or something and then the other players have to try and guess what it might be and it's it's cool i mean it's a um well you give them the clue word and then they have to guess where the dial is i know i've explained that a bit bad but it's a really cool game have a look it up from wolfgang walsh Best reprint goes to Porter. Nice. Oh, yes, I'm happy about that. Although I'm surprised because it went up against Unmatched, Pax Premier, Porter, Dune, and Atlantis Rising 2nd Edition. Pax Premier, come on. If that god voted in, I'd have been amazed. That's a niche game. Unmatched, not played it. Dune, not played it. I hear good things, but looks like a very long, epic game, so it's probably not accessible to many. Atlantis Rising 2nd Edition, I'm surprised that didn't win. That is a really good reprint. That said, I did vote for Predaporter. for uh, Predator Porter third edition after seeing the second edition I haven't played the second edition but this looked great I mean it looked gorgeous on the table I played it for a complex for a heavy game it was not too complex in the rules and it brings that fashion industry theme really well there's multiple ways to play it was easy enough to teach I, I really like Predaporter Porter it's a long game but it's definitely up there on one of my favorite heavy euros and for an economic euro as well that's saying something but yeah honestly well done ignasti that was a really good reprint i was looking forward to this so bad i'm glad you didn't go down the computer game manufacture route kept it to the fashion theme and i think it's done you justice best solo game lord of the rings journeys in middle earth yes yes i'll definitely go with that up against, though, it had some stiff competition, uh, Death May Die, Marvel Champions, Tainted Grail, and Wingspan. Wingspan's solo mode is pretty decent. I like the automa in it. It's a really good one. It's probably one of the better Autumnas out there. Not played Death May Die. Was it any good? No idea. I mean, I don't can't really tell much from the cover. And Eric Lang, I don't know, I don't tend to go mad for Eric Lang's stuff, and he's kind of distracted at the moment when it comes to his uh, Twitter account, but... You know, Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle Earth, I do like. Did I vote for that one? I think I did vote for that one because I do like Marvel Champions as well. I think that's really good. Tainted Grail has some issues with the game itself to stop it being a number one, but I still love it. And Wingspan is a good old Tom there. Maybe I put that as number three on my list. I know I put Marvel Champions number two and Lord of the Rings as number one. So, Lord of the Rings, I've played it entirely solo. It is Lord of the Rings in a box you've got your characters, you go through missions, you... Sorry, hang on, I'm gonna take another water. I think my throat's really uh, struggling today, sorry about this. But the Lord of the Rings game, you get your characters, you go through a campaign with the DLC campaign, there's branching paths even, there's even a slight bit of that in the first campaign, but You fight monsters, you go explore maps, you find new items, you get new skills. It's a really great solo game to play with a couple of characters in tow. Works fine multiplayer as well, but I really like the solo. I mean, if I play this solo, I'm going through multiple missions in quick succession. And I am so gutted I didn't get to get the new expansion Shadows Path. I wanted it so bad and I forgot to pre-order it and then it was too late because Fantasy Flight doesn't know how to stock their games. Uh, seriously, Fantasy Flight. Put more stock into your games. We want to buy them. Stop selling out and then coming us reprints like 20 years later. Stupid Fantasy Flight. I will get that expansion though. When I get a chance, I'm getting it. Right, there can't be that many left. So best strategy game went to Maracaibo. I guess. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't a big fan of the competition. I mean, Coloma? I wouldn't really call that a massive strategy game. City of the Big Shoulders, you could not pay me to play that game. I I don't know if it's any good or not, but honestly, you could not pay me to play a game about building up companies, industry, and economic games for three to four hours. No, especially when it looks as dull as it does. Watergate, that strategy game, I thought that was just meant to be a simple two-player game. And Paladins of the West Kingdom, it's fine, but I'm bored with it. So you know what? I think I probably did vote for Maracaibo in this one because I think out of the competition, I think Maracaibo is the best of the list. But there must have been other strategy games that year. I know I nominated some others, but I mean, I mean, Predator Porter is technically a strategy game. It's an economic game. It's it fits the category, but for some reason, it just didn't get the works. Maybe they just didn't like theme with their strategy games. But Maracaibo is still pretty good. Sailing around the Caribbean, deciding if you want to do quests or ally with certain nations, deliver goods. Uh, and the multi-use card system in it where you've got it used for characters or for items and goods it's a pretty neat system in fact the next stream I'm doing uh, tomorrow will be the Maracaibo insert along with the overlays for the player boards so if you want to check out how to store Maracaibo in an efficient way hopefully, fingers crossed then you can check out my stream for that tomorrow in fact so that will hopefully be good for you Uh, can't be that many more on this best theming okay best theming we have horrified i suppose i mean it looks like it represents the theme pretty well and people have commented on this but this is one of those games i really need to get played it's it's high on my wish list to try and play this one up against though lord of the rings journeys of middle earth watergate star wars outer rim and wingspan wingspan has a unique theme i'm not going to go out there and say it's the most thematic game out there though Watergate, no idea, not played, probably never will. Horrified, I would like to try. It's one, fair enough. I hear the theme's really good, it sounds like it's really good. I think I voted for Star Wars Outer Rim? Or was it Journeys of Middle-earth? It was one of the two. Might have been Outer Rim, because Lord of the Rings, it's difficult to not represent the theme. But Star Wars Outer Rim really did just replace Fireflies for me from Gale Force 9. It really puts you in the shoes of smugglers and a bit of the Star Wars universe and going around to different planets and getting new people for your crew, finding a new ship, dodging the Imperium, dodging the Rebels, dodging Jabba the Hutt. It's really good, solid game, that one. I mean, for a pick-up-and-deliver game, which I don't normally like, that one definitely is on my high spot. But uh, yeah, there were some good ones there and Horrified won it, so good on you. I really must get that one played all right two-player game let's have a look how long is this stream taking how long do i need uh, we're already up to half an hour all right this is going to be a bit of a longer episode but i suppose i'm only going to talk briefly on the spill the iris ones best two-player game watergate never played it no idea is it any good guys you tell me fungiverse skunk skulk hollow <laughs> skunk hollow <laughs> undaunted normandy and unmatched and watergate I honestly have no clue. I don't get two-player games to the table very often. I have not played any of these five games. So Watergate, I hear it's popular. It got nominated for a lot of categories. Must be pretty good, but I've never played it. Honestly, I'll play it if someone gives me a chance to, but I've not played it, so I'm not really going to comment much further. And finally, the most innovative game went to Detective City of Angels versus Mystery House Adventures in a Box. I suppose it is innovative. QE. It's innovative, but not in a great way. Slide Quest and U-Boot the board game. I think I gave this one to U-Boot the board game because I thought having that giant submarine in the middle of the board and, and real-time app-driven like sh- like co-op play, it was impossible to ever get played. But it was certainly a good innovation. But Detective City of Angels, I think, deserves a bit of props as well. I mean, it it gave you a chance to effectively run a deduction game a bit like an RPG session. You could play it in several ways, and the, the person running the game could dictate what sort of stuff was said to the other players. It's a solid idea. Most innovative, I don't know, but then considering it's going up against a couple of games I've never heard of, and Mystery House Adventures in the Box, which I think was this weird contraption where you you look down that you built the house as a box or something. I think it was more of a gimmick than it was an actual game. But yeah, I mean if that was what it was going up against, then probably not a great deal of competition there, but you know, Detective or U-Boot should have won it out of those two, and I'm glad one of them did. Can't remember which one I voted for, though. I think U-Boot and then Detective. But yeah, not too bad for the Dice Tower Awards though. I mean, a lot of the games that I voted for got in, and if I didn't know the games, I didn't vote. So, best two player game, I didn't even vote on that one because I'd never played the games. It didn't deserve me to put an opinion on it. And uh, the rest of them though, I'd played at least half, if not all, of the games in the list. So, I definitely had ones worth voting for on there. But yeah, some good solid games this year. I think this was a better year for the Dice Tower Awards even compared to last year. So, that's all well and good. But now we get on to something that I'm just going to quickly go over, which I'm a little bit less keen on. The Spiel des Jahres. I think this is slowly degrading into a farce. Not to say that the people who won it didn't deserve it. I'm not saying that at all. But the categories just don't make sense anymore. It's a bit like the BGG Awards. But the Spiel des Jahres Awards have been awarded this year. I don't know much about the kids one because I don't play kids games. But if I see it on this page, I will show it. But we have Cool, that grass trimmer out there. I really hope you're not hearing that. But the winners of 2020 have been elected for the Spiel the Jahres, and the Spiel the Jahres winner is a game called Pictures by PD Verlag. It's the Spiel the Jahres 2020. From what I can tell, Pictures is basically a game where it's a bit like Concept. You have to you have to kind of Tell a, you have to describe a, a word. You have to describe a picture for people, and they have to guess what it is. And in doing so, you're doing it with various components like little building blocks and pieces of string and stuff like that. So what have we got here? A quick family game with simple rules. From the image on your secret picture card, you must use either shoelaces, color cubes, icon cards, sticks and stones, or building blocks in such a way that they can guess what you have pictured. I'm it sounds like fun, I would happily play it. And maybe it is worthy of a Spiel des Jahres, But I'm a little concerned that this game... How would you describe a picture with building blocks? I'm not so sure that's doable or easy to do. So, a little bit concerned on that one. But, uh, yeah, maybe it's not as bad as I thought. But, you know, it, I want to try it. It's a Spiel des Jahres winner. It looks like a fun party game. It's definitely family orientated. I would give it a shot. But more on that a little bit later. Uh, it went up against... Let's have a look. Uh, there's the designers. Well done to them. But it went to... Nominations were My City and Nova Luna. Not played My City. Doesn't look like much, though. I've watched reviews on it. I didn't really get much for it. And Nova Luna. Nova Luna. It's okay. It's an after decent abstract. But no way would I put that as A, a family game, and B, a, a game of the year. I mean, bear in mind, this is more of a German-European orientated award so granted the nominations are going to be a little bit worse but good on your pictures well done you too uh I'll, I'll look forward to playing it at some point soon uh danielle and christian store s-t-o with an accent h-r don't know how you pronounce that but uh, you can see the picture on the screen if you're watching the video podcast so yeah good on you two. look forward to playing it now this is where things get a little bit like what Kenneth Spieldiaris, the one that is meant to go to the more strategic, thinky games, went to The Crew, the Crest for Planet 9. Nominations were uh, The Cartographers and The King's Dilemma. Okay, The King's Dilemma, that's an odd choice in itself. That's not a strategy thinking game, that's a negotiation game with a theme. So, why is that in there? The Cartographers, not that thinky a game. It's a roll and write. There's very few, if any, roll and writes that require you to think a lot. And The Crew. I like The Crew. I think The Crew's a really good game. It's on my shelf. I took it to the club last week, in fact, and it went over well again. It's a great game. But what is it doing in the Spiel? The Spiel Diaries is reserved for more thinky, strategic games. The Crew is trick-taking. It is basic trick-taking with the co-op element added. And it's the co-op element added that you know separates it out from the crowd. But people can understand trick taking. It's not that difficult. The game itself is a simple filler game, in fact. So what is it doing in the Kinnerspiel category? This should have been in the Spieldiaris category. And then it would have been interesting to see it go up against pitchers, and maybe the crew would have won against pitchers. But it just doesn't make sense it's in this category. I'm glad it won. Kudos. You know, I'm glad it won. But just I don't get why it's in this category and Cartographers and King's Dilemma. That was the best thing we could come up with for a Kennish spiel. Like I said, I really don't understand how the nomination process goes on with this one. I mean, the Europeans have heard of a lot of other strategy games, so I don't know why these ones are so special, but yeah, kind of odd really. Now I can't seem to find uh the kids one. Have they done a kids one this year? Let's have a look. Or maybe they haven't announced that one yet. Have a little quick glance. Uh Award winners. The internet seems a little bit sketchy lately, which is kind of odd, because it should be upgraded to insane amounts at the moment. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Kenner. What's it, is it called? No, it's not called the Spiel. What do they call it? I don't think they've... I don't think they've announced it. Oh, wait. Kinderspiel. Here we go. So, Kinderspiel was won by... Is that, is that actually one? Day Pictures... Nominated. Oh, yep. I think they've done it. Uh, I think they've announced it for Speedy Roll or Hedgehog Roll, as it might be called. Nominated along with Photo Fish and Versund de Roboter or Robots. No idea. I don't play kid games. um, If that's your thing, then great. Uh, Speedy Roll looks like that was the winner. So looks cutesy. Looks fun. Hedgehogs and foxes and cute little things like that. Uh, Apparently, you're rolling some actual fox or hedgehog. Apparently, you actually roll the thing. That's kind of interesting. Uh, how does that work, then? The idea of... What is this? Marble stones. the So far, there was no tennis ball. The idea of claiming this as a hedgehog on which applies... Ma- so you roll this tennis ball hedgehog coated with Velcro with stuff that gets coated on its Velcro spot. That's interesting. That is really... <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. I mean, for kids, yeah, I can see this going down well. So, yeah i'll never get to play it in my life but speedy roll just that was the kinder spiel so maybe that was pretty solid so yeah that's it uh we're up to 40 minutes i'm going to wrap up this podcast now because as you can hear my throat has really been struggling with this podcast and i need to go to the gym so uh yeah, that is my take on the two new awards. I think the Dice Tower Awards did pretty well overall. I think better than last year even. You know, I didn't vote for every single one that won, but I certainly nominated a lot of the ones that were in the nominations. And the ones that won, I think for the most part, deserved it just fine. The Spiel Jahres, on the other hand, yeah, I'm starting to lose faith in the Spiel Jahres Awards. I mean, last year wasn't too bad, but this year I just think it was like, Bit of a mess. Maybe next year it will improve, but I'm not entirely sure because we've just got so few games coming out this year. I mean, people were sort of like, What's your favorite game you've played this year? I can think of maybe two or three. Tank Gardens, one of them. In fact, the others are kind of escaping me at the moment. We've just had so few games released during 2020 so far because of COVID that there's just not a lot to report on. I hope that August onwards starts bringing us some more games. I mean, there's some good stuff on the horizon, but hurry up and come out because at the moment 2020 is looking to be like one of the worst year for board games ever and granted a lot of that is down to a pandemic but yeah it's not looking good for 2020 folks so we'll have to see so what's to come in the future well as i mentioned two more streams for for the e-raptor inserts they're on the way this week as well as the one tomorrow so free technically um i will be doing I I probably won't be doing a video this week. I will try to do a video for Wednesday like normal, but I'm already doing four streams this week and the podcast is still going to happen on Sunday. So I think I might just be run out of time, especially as work is going to really push me to the limit this week. I've got a deadline by the end of the week and I've got to focus hard. So I may have to do some overtime at work and I've got to put work ahead of the blog no matter what. So I might have to skip out on a video this week. I was planning to do a glossary video for board game terminology, but the problem is as I was recording it, I've recorded some of it already, but it took a long time and I thought I was going to do one video. I think it's going to have to be several and I might release several during a week, like maybe do two or three at a time or maybe space it out, we'll see. But if I'm going to do that, then I'd rather get them all ready and then... uh, send them out within a week so maybe i just need a bit more time to get on with that so i might skip the wednesday video this week but you've got four streams of e-raptor inserts and the stream from last week so there's plenty of video content to keep you occupied and that's assuming i don't do more streams next week anyway because people want to see me do streams so you will see some video content even if it's not the full-on edited You know, fancy schmancy version of the videos. You know, they are still there, they're still coming. It's just maybe this week I need to take a break from the video release. We'll see. Maybe I'll get lucky on Tuesday and I'll be able to edit the first part of the glossary, but I'm not going to hold myself to that because I will have no time today to get on with it. I will have no time tomorrow to get on with it. So that only leaves part of Tuesday evening. And that's assuming I don't have to, you know, work overtime. And I have a feeling I probably will be. So work comes first. That's the way it's got to be. Other than that, though, yeah, more stuff on the way. And of course, there'll be another podcast next week of which I'm thinking of starting, uh, well, I don't know what I'll do topic-wise for the next week's podcast. I was thinking of doing the BGG Top 100, but I don't know whether that should be a podcast or whether I should do that as a live stream. I feel that like that would make a much better live stream because then I can get the the audience's reactions. So I'll save that one for a stream. Next podcast, I think I'll just talk more generally about games, really. I'll talk about some movers and shakers. I'll talk about, like, new stuff in the collection, maybe, stuff I've played, and channel updates. You know, we'll make it a nice general all-podcast episode. But anyway, we're up to 43 minutes, so I'm going to shut this down so much for the whole 30-minute podcasting. I think that's going to be a... uh thing of the past. I think we're just going to have to make these episodes as long as they are, really. But hopefully you don't mind. So that's it for me. I'll see you on the next episode of the Broken Meeple, whether it's the podcast or a stream or a video. Just take care for now. Stay safe. And remember, as always, it's only a game. Bye for now.